All right, I'd like to welcome this morning is Patrice. He's been with us before. I've heard him speak here. It's a wonderful delight to have him with us. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with what Patrice does, he's going to explain what the C2C Network does and what his vocation and uh, job description is there, right? And he's going to recruit people this morning. No, I don't <laughs> think he's going to do any recruiting, but it'll be great. So let's put our hands together and welcome Patrice. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again this morning. And uh, a real pleasure. I always like coming here. And uh, yeah, I want to explain what is C2C. I'm part of C2C, the director for Quebec. And C2C is a network who work mainly uh, about church planting. But we do other things and relate to multiplication. It can be another campus, another services. So we help church plant other church and reaching out in their community. So C2C network, people, some of you know, what is C2C? Some others don't know. So I'm going to explain, just take two, three minutes to explain what it is. And uh, it's based on Psalm 72.8, which says, uh, he will have dominion from sea to sea. Easy, eh? <laughs> from sea to sea. So this is what we want to do. Have the Lord, Jesus Christ, have dominion from sea to sea in Canada. And it started about 10 years ago in BC. You should know that in the 80s, 90s and beginning of 2000, four church plant on five were closing their door before five years. So we start to look why was that, and we try to fill out the, the needs and to be more successful in planting new churches. So we have our leaders on our church family in BC who start to gather some tools and, and uh, practices to be better in planting churches. And they start doing that. So it means doing better assessment of the planters, doing better coaching, training, support, financial support, but brings all kinds of resources to plant these churches. And we start to do that in BC. It was called MB Church Planting BC. But slowly, some people from other denominations came to us and say, hey, we would like to join DNB because we want to get this resource too. And we told them, you don't need to become NB. <laughs> Stay in your church family and your tribe and come and use our resources. So it started to be like that. And more and more church family were coming with us and we were supporting them with resource, coaching, training, assessment, and financial resource too. But we had so many other groups with us that it was not possible to call it anymore MB Church Planting BC. So it was just BC Church Planting. But slowly after that, some people from Alberta call us, hey, can you come and give some training and coaching? Can you fund us in planting churches? Some people from Saskatchewan, from Manitoba. So it was not possible to call that anymore, Church Planting BC. So it became C2C Network. And today we have about 117 church plants in Canada, working with 28 different denominations. And the goal of that is it's, it's, we cannot reach Canada for Christ by ourselves. We have to take the resource we got and give them away to see other, plant, other churches and reaching more people because we believe that Jesus is the only option for our nation, for our province. You believe that? Yeah. So this is what we do. We do that through many ways. And um, I have a brochure in the back. If some of you want the brochure, we have all the planters in Canada and every province and all the information about C2C. And I want to thank you 
because you've been supporting C2C for many years now, and we have a faith-based ministry, when the Lord is sending us planters, we don't say no after we have done all the due... Uh, thank you. You're going to have to help me this morning with a few things like that. <laughs> and when we do our job <laughs> and due diligence and the, the planters there, we know that God is sending in because we're praying every day at 10.02 because Luke 10.02, Jesus asked us to pray the Lord of the harvest to send workers. So we pray every day at 10.02, Lord, send us your worker. And when he sends us, we cannot say, no, we won't support you. So we, we say, we will support you. We don't have the resource, the fund. We have some resource, but God will provide. And he always provides through people like you. So thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's go in this story. In around 1878, because of the regular storm we had, or they had, on the rocky coast of the Atlantic in Massachusetts, a group of men decided to come together with the goal of saving life. Because many boats and ships were having damage in, in, in the rocks, and, and they had shipwrecks uh, because they were sinking. So this group of volunteers came together to go outside, risk their life, to save these people. They were not doing that for money. They were not doing that for recognition. They were doing that because they have put a big and high value on human life. As soon as there was a boat in problem, in trouble, everyone were giving themselves to go and save as many lives as possible. Between 1878, they, they were known by the name of uh, the Massachusetts Rescue Team or Massachusetts Human Society. And between 1878 and 1915, they assist over 28,000 vessels and save 92% of them. One day, the U.S. Coast Guard came and said, hey, we want to partner with you. So they came together, and for a while, they were working together and going out and saving those people of shipwreck. But at one point, slowly, with time, these people said, and we start to hear, let the professional do the job. They are trained for that. They are well equipped for that. And they haven't been paid for that. They're going to be more efficient. Let them do the work. So slowly, these volunteers from Massachusetts Human Society stopped going out. And the rescue team stopped being who they were, why they were what they were being called to do. You and I are made for this kind of life-changing business, rescue business. We sometimes lose sight of that because we have our own concern. But there's a lot of people around us who are going through deep fear, shame, suffering, and they're just looking, they're just looking or hoping to have somebody beside them, to stand by them, hoping to have a her, uh, here, to listen to them, to be welcomed by them. 
Paul in Romans 15 says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. For the glory of God. Welcome one another. This morning we're going to look to a story. A story of Jesus meeting with a woman. Facing a group of men who forgot that they were in a rescue business. It's a story that you know. We're going to read it in John chapter 8. Jesus went on the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple, temple court, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, or some versions say, Master, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he strengthened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older one first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus strained that up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and live your life of sin. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this country, in this province, in this city, in this community. This is your word, Lord. We want to learn from you. We want to learn about you and about us and about what you want to do in your life. So speak to us this morning by your spirit through this text. Thank you, Lord. So before getting deeper on the text, just look to some context here. We are in a time of a fast in Israel. It's called the Fest of the Tents or the Fest of the Huts. We still, they still celebrate that now. So this fest uh, was for several days, and now we have at the second half of the fest. And Jesus uh, come here and start to teach in the temple. And people were amazed and wondered how this man can teach this way. He never studied. They knew him. And the crowd was divided because of Jesus. Some would say, he's the Messiah that was supposed to come, that God has sent. Some others say, were saying, he's an imposter. The religious leader rejected him because he, he didn't fit their expectation. They were looking to some type of people. And Jesus didn't fit that. 
He was hanging out with sinners, breaking some rules that they have put in place. They have sent guards, just as in chapter before, they have sent guards to arrest him, to put him under arrest. And this guard came back and said, we cannot stop him. This, nobody ever spoke like him. These leaders were saying, this man is from Galilee. And when they were looking in the Bible, they say, we never had a prophet coming from Galilee. So you see, the idea was made about Jesus. It cannot be him. We have this woman. And caught in adultery. And imagine a life scenario of this woman. One day, this woman was a young girl with a lot of dream. A dream that one day she will be married with a man. A, a dream that have bring a lot of hope, probably, will be with a man who loves her and she will love this man. A dream that one day they would have children together and probably imagine a life with a united and happy family. But somehow, at some point, things didn't happen the way she had hoped. Sometime in the course of her life, she met a man. Another man. This guy maybe not tested her. Maybe he took some time with her. Maybe he cared about her and gave her a little attention. And one day, they crossed a line. Maybe it was just a touch on the shoulder. That lasts a little bit longer than it should have. Maybe it was a, a look that communicated more than it should have. Maybe it was a sharing of secret that violated something in their marriage. But a line was crossed. And brought the relationship to another level. Then it led to crossing another line. And another one. And another one that led them into a bed. She was probably at one point a trusted woman. The first time she was going to see this man. And her husband asked her, where are you going? Probably her heart stopped for a second. But she became an expert to mislead her husband's doubt. Maybe at one point she claimed that this man was not existing. She stopped thinking about the consequence of what she was doing. Consequence on her soul, on her life on her couple, on her family. Then come this moment. She had not noticed that these men, others have noticed. The door opened and these men came in. She probably would have be ready to give everything to go back to this first line that was crossed. But it was too late. She realized the consequence of her choice. 
this double life. And now she was facing the consequence in front of this man. And now you got those Pharisees. And actually, they don't have any concern for this woman. They are ready to humiliate this woman, to put her to death, just to trap Jesus. Master, they say, or teacher, as if they want to recognize Jesus as their master or honor him. They want to trap Jesus. They raise that Moses has ordered that those taken in adultery should be killed. Those taken. Where's the man? Just a parenthesis here. Where's the man? Just a woman have been brought. You know, those religious leaders, Pharisees, didn't care that much about the law. They had their own righteousness. Something was wrong. Okay, come back to the story. They wanted to trap Jesus. They say, if Jesus say, not doing it, it will be accused of not taking seriously to be serious about Moses' command, law. Yeah, if you have say stone her, people were, were saying Jesus as a friend of sinners will see it differently. And he would go against Rome's order who forbade to kill somebody. It was a kind of Catch 22, you know, he was trapped in both ways. This woman finds herself in front of Jesus, trembling. And Jesus did something special. He bowed down and started to write on the sand. And this verse keep questioning him what you do, what you would do, what you would do. So he stand again and say, okay, go and stone her, but let him who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then Jesus bowed down again and continued to write on the ground, on the sand. Okay, what he wrote. Many specialists speculate about what he was writing on the sand. Some have said he was writing the Ten Commandments. Some other, some other in, in the 5th century, were saying that he wrote the sin of everyone who wanted to, 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 to throw a stone. But this morning, just for you, I will tell you what he wrote on the sand. You want to know? <laughs> no, I won't tell you. <laughs> I won't tell you because the, the author of the gospel do not, does not tell us. Because he don't want our, our eyes to be Focus on that, but like always, not on that, but on Jesus. Who he is, his heart, his behavior, what he did, not what he wrote. Go, judge, condemn, but be certain that yourself are without sin if you do that. Then something happened. One man drop a stone. Then another one, and another one, and another one. From the oldest to the youngest. Probably the oldest had more sin. Or he was more aware of his sins. But everyone dropped their, sin, their stone and, and, and they left. The answers of Jesus will reveal the heart of this man. 
They are sinners. Jesus wants to teach us something. That all of us, us, not you, us, we are all in one way or another transgressor of his law, of his commandment, of his heart. To understand that should urge us to welcome others as they are instead of condemning. Yes, them. Chapter 7, just a chapter before, he said, Has not Moses given you the law? Yet no one of you keeps the law. Everyone has sinned. Everyone is breaking the law. Everyone's breaking the heart of God, of Jesus. And all the commandments just reveal the heart of God, heart of Jesus. We all look beautiful and nice. But when we, and, and we need to be honest with that. When we start scratching a little bit, go a little bit deeper and digging, we find deep wounds. Fear, sin. You know John Albert, the writers and speakers? He wrote a book. The title was, Everybody Looks Normal Until You Get to Know Them. That's a really good book. Based on Romans 3.23, we are all sinners and we're separated from the glory of God. It's like that. We are, are, all of us are struggling in some level. All of us are transgressors of the heart of Jesus. When we realize how far we are of living the way Jesus wants us to live, we cannot see ourselves as superior of others. And it should push us to welcome the one around us who are not living like us, who are hurting us. That doesn't mean that we cannot be freed from our sin, but it's not by our own power. Again, it's not because of us. It's always because of Him who can bring freedom, healing, and transformation in our life. It's not by our own strength. But it's only when we keep our eyes on Him and we remember where we are coming from and we're looking inside our heart and we see how much we need the grace and the power of Jesus that we can welcome others. If not, we may be like this Pharisee. Okay, remember that. The community of believers should never be a place where there are stone be thrown to others. Never. The Pharisees were, were ready to stone this woman Divide the world into two categories. Sinners and those who are righteous. Said differently. Sinners and those who think they are righteous. Jesus redefined these two categories. He said those who are sinners and recognize it. And those who are sinners and deny it. Which category are you? That's important. This is what brings freedom. 
knowing where we are and how much we need Jesus and God. Do you have stones in your hand that you need to drop? You know, when I was writing that, Jesus just showed me in my own life how many stones I had to let go and drop. Maybe sometimes there are some people who are dragging stones for so long they don't even remember a life without stones in their hand. Jesus invites us to let down our stone and become aware of our own faults and enter in his forgiveness, freedom, healing, and transformation. See, the Bible speaks about many things, but we could say also two spheres of sin. Sin of the body, sin of the heart. Sin of the body can be gluttony, abuse, like alcohol abuse, substance abuse, immorality, adultery, lust. And sin of the heart, it's more related to our heart than our body, like pride, arrogance, self-righteousness, attitude of judgment, criticism, mockery. And we are, in general, generally, more scandalized about sin of the body. But for Jesus, those sin of the heart, like pride and self-justice and arrogance, was as serious as the other one. And even he put more emphasis on them. Not that there's hierarchy in sins, but those sins of pride and self-justice are so dangerous because they can be an obstacle in our own life of seeing our own need. Our own sins. There's this woman there, trembling with fear and guilt. But these accusers don't even see her. It's not about her. How many times have we picked up stones? Because things did not happen the way we wanted. Because someone acted in a way that didn't suit us. Because somebody behaved in a way that it didn't work with our value. Because somebody hurt us. Are you a stone thrower? Jesus demonstrated an incredible welcome to this woman. Because he see the person first, not what he or she is doing. What kind of person we want to become? What kind of church we want to be? You know, in church history, when we look at the beginning of the church in Acts, we were seeing a church and people were attracted to that church. Because the love they had to for each other. And the church has a so good reputation around the way they were welcoming people. And you know that, that the church is not a place we go. The church is the people. You are the church. No, a building is never a church. It's the people. People who have a knowledge that they need Jesus. Who have decided to follow Jesus. Who have been forgiven by Jesus. And decide to follow him. And be restored and be restored in the relationship with God through Jesus. 
this is a church. These people who are the church. But in about year 325, when Constantine came in power, one of the first things he did is to build church building all around his empire and names leader there. And people start to stop being the church and start to go to church. And a lot of things start to change. Stop being the church and let the professional do the job. Jesus called each of us to be this kind of person. Welcome others who are not like us. People around us who are in fear, shame sometimes, alone. Just would like to have somebody who's going to stand by them. Listen to them without picking stone. Welcome the people where they are in their journey. And celebrate every small steps in their life. Philippians in his book, What's So Amazing About Grace, begin his book with this story. It's very really hard, this story. Hard to listen to. I'm going to share it with you. He says, One day a prostitute came to me, troubled, torn, and completely broken, unhealthy, and unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. To the crying and the pain, she told me that she had rapidly rented her girl, two years old, to man who was interested to have sex with her. She made more money by renting her little girl for one hour than she could do herself in one full day. She had to do that, for, she said, to support her drug needs. Yancey said, I could hardly bear to listen to this horrible story. When we hear that, be honest. Who among us, and don't raise a hand, I don't, we don't want that, but is ready to pick up stone to such a woman. That can be one of them. I can be one of them. Yancy continue. Finally, he says, I asked her, if she had thought about going to a church to find help. He says, I will never forget forget the look of despair that came on her face. The church, she said, crying. Why would I go there again? I already feel so shame and destroy. They will only make me feel even worse. Wow. Why, in Jesus' time, people like this woman were so attracted to Jesus? And too often, today, not always. And I don't say that it is you. Okay, don't make me wrong. Take me wrong now. I just want us to take one more step. 
where we are. Why in Jesus' time, people like this one were so attracted to Jesus, and today the church and the people who follow Jesus are not even an option for the people who are suffering, who are going through some deep shame. What would happen if the church would look like if there were no people ready to pick up stone? It has been at the aim of God to create an inclusive community where God will leave, God will love, God will bring transformation by His Spirit through His people to you and me. This is the heart of God for us, for His church, for His children. Now, welcoming does not mean Approving. To welcome somebody is to say to this person that you think it's a good thing that this person exists. It is a good thing that you exist. Whatever you have done. This is the heart of Jesus. So at the end of the story, the woman is there alone with Jesus. In a pile of stone. Go now and live your life out of sin. Go and do not sin anymore. Go, but now, no longer sin. Change your way of living. Radical welcome. Jesus didn't. Minimize sin. He cannot. He know the consequence of it. He paid for that. But he welcomed first. He did that at a high risk. Because that was the beginning where the people wanted to kill him after that. He did that because every human being, you and me, have a high value. is precious for him. Precious for him. He first stand for her. He took position in her favor. He did that at great cost. You know, there are so many people around us who just look for somebody who will stand by them. Who would like to have somebody who is going to listen to them without picking stone. There's people among you. Because of bad choice. Imagine believers from every tribe, every nation, listening to the beat of Jesus. Vibrating at the same beat, tune with Jesus, in harmony with him. Imagine the symphony. The first believer in act. Understand what Jesus wants to be, wants to be here. We are the body of Christ, we are the body. The church, the body of Christ, we are Jesus among these people. Vibrating at the same beat than him. And another one, and another one, another one from another tribe, another nation. And all the world, all this church, vibrating at the same beat of Jesus. What a symphony that can be. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you go in life, you need someone who stands by you. And somebody need you to stand by them.
Let's look to this short video. You have seen it maybe, but it's worth looking at again. says, uh, no matter who you are, no matter where you go in your life, at some point you're going to need somebody to stand by you.
Thank you. Thank Isn't that beautiful? This symphony. Have you seen the first one starting the beat? All the other ones listening to the first beat? And coming in harmony with this first one. Jesus. What would be the church if we can be in harmony listening to this first one, Jesus, his heart, his beat, and going like that? Our city will be transformed. Our country will be transformed. There's people around us who are suffering, who are alone. They just want you to stand by them. Here, in this community, by choice sometimes, just want somebody to listen without picking stone. This is the church that Jesus wants to build. Let it go to build people around us and welcome the same radical welcome that Jesus had for you and for me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for who you are. And maybe there are some people here who are suffering of being alone. Nobody to talk, really talk about what they're going through. Shame. Be afraid that somebody will pick up stone because of what they have done. But, Lord, this morning we just want to tell you that we want to be like you. We want to be transformed and have your heart in our to welcome the people that you love so much around us. Thank you for this community. Thank you for what you're doing through this community because many people are coming to know you and people are growing in you and continue your work. And I know that you will finish what you have begun. So thank you, Lord. And may we be fine as people who welcome others and be attracted and be attractive to those who are suffering around us. Thank you, Lord. Amen.